We are live, my friends. Welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast. This is Carl Pauli, your host, and I'm sitting next to Ryland, uh, my producer. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Dude, I feel like we've had a breakthrough. Yeah. Today was a big day. And you had Coffee Club this yeah, had, morning. Uh, yeah. Dude, Coffee Club was great. How was it? It was awesome. We, we, the, the topic was mysticism. Whoa. Yeah. And, I, and the way I started it was uh, I told them that I watched this um, animated movie that Netflix just came out with uh, over the holidays called uh, Klaus. And it's, uh, it's the story on how Santa Claus became Santa Claus. And it's great. It's a great movie. And uh, I thought it was super fun to watch and entertaining. And I brought it up as um, a way of addressing this notion of mysticism and how mysticism uh, is kind of uh, interwoven into a lot of cultures and how there's a very fine line that we have to navigate between living in fiction and reality. There's power in fiction, big power, but that power comes <laughs> with great responsibility. So it, it, that was kind of the conversation, and, and it was great. Uh, it, we had age, ages 16 through uh, 60 today, 16-year-old kid and uh, a 60-year-old woman. That's pretty epic. That's so cool. And every single one of the people who were there participated. It was an amazing, amazing conversation. And funny enough, heading over there, I was worried that it wasn't going to be a great turnout. And it ended up being one of the best coffee clubs I've had. What number? This is a number seven. So you've done seven weeks in a row. Yep. Um, You just... Pick a location. Yeah. Invite people out. Mm-hmm. And whoever and shows. Is, whoever shows, shows. Yeah. Yeah. And basically the format is uh, people come in. It's loose talk. We just kind of hang out. Everyone's kind of drinking coffee or tea or whatever it is that they're having. You don't have to drink tea to be uh, or coffee to be a coffee club. Uh, and then once everyone's kind of settled, you can kind of tell people start to settle. And then I have people introduce themselves, uh, tell us a little bit about them and, and why they're there. And then I either tell a story or uh, ask a question and then boom, the dialogue starts. And I basically mediate and at the end uh, summarize and try to um, have a little take home. So it, it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And I'm just, man, I cannot wait to share because Coffee Club, this podcast, Lifestyle Design, which is my, my, my coaching, and now I'm doing Lifestyle Design workshops, uh, super fun, and then that all leading to this event, The Insider, it feels like it all fits real nice. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool. It's cool. Anyway, so today's episode, we are going back to The Insider that um, I hosted here in San Francisco. Uh, in 2019, October. And uh, this episode is going to feature Tom Reed, who has been on the podcast before in season two. If you haven't listened to his episode, you can go back and listen to it there. He was also in season one. He's been in season one and season two. And now uh, we're featuring here in this episode, Tom's talk about performance-based communication, which he calls task 
It's something that has helped me tremendously in my business, uh, in my relationships, and I think it's really going to help you. So uh, yeah, without further ado, here's Tom Reed at The Insider with uh, Task. That's fabulous. So much pressure to do a talk about effective communication with people. I look around the room, you guys are so successful. And I wanted to start with a comment just to recognize that because I've done this talk probably over 500 times. And sometimes it's with people who are um, captive audience. They're mandated to maybe receive some of the the communication. You guys are a self-selected, homogeneous, uh, motivated group. So that's why I'm here. People want to level up their communication and you're already doing great, sign me up. So Carl, thank you for inviting me. That's why I'm here. I'm going to start with a brief story that there are pieces of it that even Carl doesn't know about me. But I thought that might sort of warm up what we're going to do over here. So about 14 years ago, I decided to start a company with no money, no clients, no contracts. Sounds like a good idea so far, right? We're good? <laughs> The, the plan, this is the plan, right? And with the idea being that uh, I had a master's degree in, in social work and a, and a clinical license to practice therapy. So long story short, me and another guy decided we're going we're gonna to start a company. And with one goal, and that goal is to be the highest quality provider of that service. So you, I'm, I'm assuming that most people in the room are providing some service or some initiative, something like that. But ultimately... We're all in the people business, whether it's a run experience, whether it's nutrition, whatever it is, you are in the people business. And if you're in the people business, you better be in the fucking communication business, right? You better be really, really tight on your communication. So my supposition is that you all are already tight. And what I'm hoping is what I share today will increase that. Kind of like, you know, if Usain Bolt can run a 983 instead of a 987, like it's a different world. Okay. So that's how I'm looking at it. Started uh, 14 years ago with this idea of being the highest quality. That's step one. And if you are the highest quality, why not be the largest in whatever, whatever geographical region you want to choose? And with, you know, social media and with However you look at that, it could be worldwide, it could be geographically central, whatever. We chose North Carolina. Once we felt like we had established the, the high-quality services, we said, let's go out and be number one, the largest in North Carolina. We had no clients, zero. You didn't know that, did you? Carl doesn't know this part of the story. Started getting the clients, getting the reputation, and uh, just recently exited that experience, the largest provider and highest quality provider in North Carolina. So I tell you that story, you know, thank you. I tell you that story because along the way, there was a hiring of 2,500 people, okay? So in terms of learning, like what you're going through, my heart is with each and every one of you. And so I want to jump into this uh, and really give you kind of a peek behind the curtain for how, you know, how did we do that? How did we go from zero to 2,500 people, 150 mil plus revenue? You got to have people on the same page. You got to have people performing. 
So ultimately, the book that I wrote called Task is called Task Performance-Based Communication. So like, what is performance-based communication? You guys probably talked yesterday a little bit about flow or peak flow. If you didn't, I'm calling it the zone, okay? You want to be in the zone. On this continuum, over here we have not effective. On this side we have, say, effective communication. Ultimately, with a, with a self, with your own self scale on how you're doing with your communication, you're probably looking to be, on any metric, to be within an eight or a 10. And let's use a, a quick basketball analogy. You shoot the, you shoot the basket, it, it goes all net, you're a 10 out of 10, all net. You shoot the ball, it hits the rim a little bit, it still goes in, you're probably a nine out of 10. It hits the rim, it clunks around, it goes in. But at some point, you're not getting the basket. That's not effective. So that's easy because you can kind of see the basket. It's easy to measure. With human communication, this gets really, really complicated. Okay? So what we've, what we've came up with is some tools for you to stack the deck in your favor that you are going to be effective with your communication. That's what this whole thing is about. Stacking the deck. I'm gonna actually hold, I'll, I'll probably, normally in a, in, in a talk of this I would ask for interaction. I'm so, I wanna do that, but we're in a tight time. We got, we're gonna do questions later, so I'm gonna hold my questions for you. Okay, let's start with theory. Dr. John Gottman, expert in relationships, he observed and theorized that people who turn towards each other, okay, they have compassion, they invite people to communicate, they're turning towards. That people that turn towards other people are effective at communicating. Okay, those are, this is one of the three stances that you can be in in any communication, whether it's direct like we're doing right now, or indirect, like on social media, email, whatever. If you are turning towards somebody, and you've got to think in your mind's eye, what does that look like? Okay? What expression of you will your audience receive as you turning towards them? You're likely to be effective if you're turning towards. One way to ensure that you're turning towards is to use the first tool of task. Can someone shout it out? Yeah, treat others or everyone. Treat everyone that you come into contact with with dignity and respect at all times. I got you. <laughs> right? I've been I want two more minutes. I got, I got interrupted. I want two more minutes. <laughs> so here's the key with that. Most people can be like, yeah, okay, you treat people with dignity and respect. That, that part's easy. At all times is where it can get challenging, right? So when I train on this subject matter, here's how I present it. Make it this one tool. Make it an absolute obsession. And then just watch what happens. 
Watch what happens with your audience. Don't do anything else. In fact, stop listening. You, you go take a break for the, rest of, for the rest of the morning. Take a break, but be really fucking good at this. And then just watch what happens. And then go over here and scale yourself at the end of the day. Ask yourself, how did I do today? Or do it several times a day. All right, I'm going to do one quick question. What can get in the way of treating people with dignity respect? For you, what gets in your way? Emotions, stress, fatigue, right? So a word on that is watch out for fatigue. I don't have enough time to get into a whole module on this, but that's your responsibility. If you want to grow your business, if you want to be a successful communicator, and I'm aligning with you on that, then manage your fatigue. No one's going to do this for you. This is a good investment, like the time that you're taking today to invest in yourself. Manage your fatigue. Okay, back to the theory. Dr. Gottman said there's three stances that you can be in. Be in this one, turning towards. Do not be in turn against or turning away. So this is a power struggle, right? Turning against is like a power struggle. Turning away is like apathy. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to ignore this. That's not effective communication. This one here is tricky. I want to spend a second on this one. What, I do a lot of coaching for licensed clinicians, and they absolutely suck at this one. And I love them. They're, 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 they're master's level clinicians, licensed therapists, and they suck at this one. Okay? Power struggles. Why do you have to watch out for power struggles? Anybody? It's a straightforward question, I promise. Because it doesn't work, it's ineffective, but it, it can't, why do we do it? Because it works in the short term, sometimes. So maybe it makes us feel better, like, God, I got that off my chest. Or I feel like I'm being effective because I got them to shut the fuck up. Yeah, but that might be a short-term win. Long, long term, not so much. So because of time, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, plow through on that one. But I'm going to leave you with this note. Power struggles are the enemy of effective communication. Okay? And where you can get into trouble is when you delude yourself with, with illusory superiority. It's another part of the social uh, psychological theories here. The theory of illusory superiority is when we think we're a little better at stuff than we really are. So you might be in a power struggle thinking, yeah, I, I crushed it. You think you did a great job. That's trouble. That's when you're in real trouble, is when you're, you're really far off on that one. So, so I'm, I'm cueing you in on that to watch out for that. Okay, let's move, let's move along. Next theory, theory of cognitive dissonance. It's critical that you understand this. Festinger, 1950s, says, hey, as human beings, we're wired, we're hardwired to have consonance between our behavior and our thoughts or our behavior and emotions or, or behavior and uh, feelings, okay? We're wired to have those run in concert. When they don't run together, it creates what? It creates friction, right, and dissonance. 
It creates friction. When people feel friction, they will change a behavior or a thought to restore consonants. Sounds easy, right? The issue is you won't know and you won't be able to predict whether they're going to change the thought or the behavior. Okay? This is where it gets really complicated. So because we're hardwired to seek consonants, the next tool we're going to do to address this, to practice, is we're going to assume what? We're going to ensue positive intention because it's there. People are driven. that They're trying to do what they think the right thing is, even if that thing is wrong. Even if that thing is illegal. People are thinking it's the right thing. So my advice to you, my coaching for you on this, is to get good at decoupling. Right, like train caboose. Decouple behavior from intention. Get good at separating those. Identify behavior and then identify intention. Most of the time we can figure out pretty easily why people are doing what they're doing. But sometimes you can't. That's okay. You don't need to be Columbo. What do you do in that situation? You simply ask them. People are eager to tell you why they're doing what they're doing. If you ask them, here's the trick. Be, be authentic. If you take another thing away from today, it's be authentic. Okay? If you authentic, authentically ask somebody what their intention is, they're probably going to share it with you and you will not be in a power struggle. If you are trying to control them or you're irritated with them or some other emotion that you're bringing into it, it's probably not going to go so well for you. Be authentic. People are watching you. Let's, let's test it. Everyone make an okay sign just like this. Put your hand in the air. Okay, put it on your chin. Okay, we got about, what, a third of the room. This is your chin right here. This is your cheek. Right? So what? Some of you got it. Some of you, right? But, but here's it. Here's the thing. Why do I do that? Because I was bored. I wanted to have some fun. Right? I was good, right? So here's the thing. Why do I do that? Because it's a reminder to you all. It's a reminder that people are watching you. They're looking for cues. They want to understand what it is. Why are you saying what you're saying? Okay, so they're watching you. So you being authentic, it matters. So the, and I appreciate your summary, your summation of yesterday, this idea of really getting grounded and understanding, like, what's driving you, this mission statement? Getting clear with that, that has a lot of value. I'm piggybacking onto that. Okay, assume positive intention. This one right here is where, I'll just call that's the cash money right there. You, you've been really getting after it this year with that, right? How's that working out? Is it right? I call it, it's like lightning in a bottle. When it, when it, it's, it's, it's unreal. When someone, let's move on to the next one, which is, which is strengths, that people have strengths. And the idea here is that you're looking. You're looking for these strengths. 
when someone comes into your, I like to use this example, it's simple. Someone comes to your facility, they start loading weight on the bar, and they move like absolute shit. And then they come to you and go, hey, you know the programming, can I get some special programming because I'm trying to get stronger, and your program, no offense, it's just not working. They come every day doing that shit. What's their strength? Commitment, right? Commitment. They're coming every day. That's their strength. So the strengths perspective, which is going to be Daniel Salibi, I can get you these names later. People have experienced risk factors. All your clients, whether it's nutrition, fitness, whoever they are, have experienced risk factors. Once they have experienced a risk, they can't unexperience it. Okay? But what you can do is you can't pull the weeds here. That's the point. You can't pull the weeds. But you can water the flowers. So if this is the strength, ultimately you grow this strength so that it overshadows these weaknesses. That make sense? You want to really invest with your clients, with your team, with your employees. You want to help identify their strengths and then you want to really engage with them on that. Make sense? Fabulous. Okay. Last tool of task, which really uh, speaks to alignment, is keep people empowered. Okay. And this, the value, Carl mentioned it before, about alignment, this entire schematic is meant to stack the deck in your favor that you will be aligned with yourself, number one, and that you will align with others around you. Keep people empowered. Partly because that's what they're, they're thinking that they have the solution anyway. Okay? So you're simply working with them to figure out what they believe is their best solution questions. I'll be here all day. Uh, catch me on a break. If, there, if you've got a client, if you've got something jamming you up, just bring it and we'll do it. Yes? It's not a question. Maybe yeah, comment. It's a comment. Yeah, absolutely. It's a comment. Do it. <laughs> my body work practice. Okay. I've kind of just been, uh, for a few years, it's been, been for a couple decades, I've kind of just been running while I'm looking for something else, but there was a lot of friction that I was feeling with clients because I didn't agree with how they were coming in or something. Okay. I love it. Applying this and the friction massively reduced So before you were kind of living over here, which which we're gonna call not effective and we'll call it judgment. So thank you for that comment so I can wrap on this and Carl then we'll do over here. On this end of the continuum of effective of ineffective communication, you got to watch out for judging. Someone walks in a room or does something, you look at them and you put them in a box. You're like, oh, there goes the, the crummy movement guy. There goes the, the person who doesn't stick to their diet person. But you haven't put them in a box. You put yourself in a box because now you're not being creative because you're done looking at that person as a person. You've labeled them. They're not in a box, you're in a box. So watch out for judgment. What's gonna protect you from judgment, just like you did? Use these skills. You know, play with them. Uh, it's like open source 
software. Just run amok with it. You know, I didn't write this thing to be a cult of personality. I wrote it to, to help people just go get after it. So I'm thrilled to hear you say that. Yes, sir. I was curious about, like, when you said to be authentic. Yes. Like, is there a filtering mechanism with authenticity, or is it like you unfilter? Because I think okay. I really want to separate behavior from intention. Yep. And behavior, my authentic self in the moment might be annoyed. Okay. Right. I love it. I love it. What? Okay. It's two things. First, what you think matters. The narrative that's playing in your head, it matters. Okay? So w- when you get after it every day on these, these and I'm going to get to the answer in a second, when you are doing these tools, you are doing cognitive behavioral restructuring. It's mind reps. It's not just a mindset. It's mind reps. So you're doing them over and over again with the idea that you will default you'll start defaulting over here rather than defaulting to why is this fucking person annoying the shit out of me? So that's one way of approaching your answer. The other way is, like Carl was saying before, in the moment, maybe let stuff go and let, understand that if you're not feeling, if you're feeling fatigued or irritated, whatever, attend to that first. Just deal with it. Maybe even don't talk to the person if you have to. Like, really put some investment in that process because ultimately you're treating yourself with dignity and respect by doing that. Okay, cool. All right, Mr. Carl. Thank you. You guys. Tom's talk was really powerful, and I think one of the uh, first things that he addresses in task, which is T, treat people with dignity and respect at all times, is very easy to say, hard to do. It's very hard to do. And, I, and I'll give you an example. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of examples. I, I, I blow up on Tanya sometimes. I, I blow up on people when I'm, I'm frustrated or whatever. Or even in this podcast, I think episode two with, with Wicked, when we were talking and doing the exercise on Ikigai, I got a little impatient. And I was like, come on, dude, be serious for a second. Because he was joking around. And uh, I was like, come on, dude, be serious. In that moment, for me, I didn't feel like I treated him with dignity and respect. And uh, that's something I can improve on. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's even expressed itself here on the podcast. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at here is that uh, it's not easy to treat people with dignity and respect at all times. It simply is not. But we can try. And just the fact that we are trying and exercising enough awareness to be willing to try, that means that we're doing something. Uh, Moose has a lot going on. Moose, he has a lot to say today. Yeah, Moose, Moose is our sound engineer, also Ryland's dog. Uh, I think I'm sitting in his spot and he's kind of frustrated. He might be, but whatever. good. We'll, we'll keep this going. Moose, it's, it's going to be pretty quick, okay? I promise. I promise. Uh, <laughs> um Dogs have been on the podcast before. And last time we had this, the dog had to go to the bathroom. Maybe Moose needs a break. Well, 
Doors open to the backyard so he can take himself out. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he oh. needs to treat us with more dignity and respect right now. That's right, so, Moose. Moose, this podcast is for you. Remember T. Mm-hmm. T. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's just so, so interesting that it's such a simple concept, hard to execute on. Uh, the concept of assuming positive intent. That's the one that got me. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. It is. Because people's behaviors don't always align with our behaviors. And when we see a behavior that doesn't align with how we do things, it's very easy to assume that there are poor intentions behind it or uh, we immediately start getting into a judgmental uh, state of mind. And a judgmental state of mind is a negative state of mind. It's not a proactive state of mind. It's, uh, it's, a, it's death. So practicing assuming positive intent is massive. And I think it's difficult because, um, well, Tom addressed this, of course, in the talk, but it, it makes you react if you don't assume positive intent you become reactive and you're simply uh, a, a victim of your uh, environment or whatever you're seeing or experiencing versus being responsive, which is your ability to pause for a second, take it in, process it, integrate it, and then translate it into uh, behavior or action or words that are more conducive for fluidity, peace, unity, uh, and growth. I'm curious because after he said that, it kind of had like a light bulb in me where like I've always tried not to make assumptions, but then he gave me the alternative where it's like, no, 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 make assumptions, but only positive ones. And so I've talked to some people about this and a few people have expressed like, uh, well that they disagree with it because, um, they've, they've tried that before and their positive assumptions actually got them in a bad situation. Yeah. It's either time. They're hoping that there's going to be an instant change or they're, uh, creating, um, by assuming positive intent at a superficial level. Moose. (laughs) Moose just has a lot to say. Anyways, by expecting an immediate change, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. It's le- it's letting go of the behavior completely and just realizing that the person that is behaving in a certain way that you don't relate with is simply a behavior designed or intended to get a certain need met. But if you try to create or assume what need is getting met and not understanding what need is really trying to get met by the person that you're interacting with, um, I think that's when you run into trouble. Makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, we can we can get Tom on again and we'll we'll talk to him about it. But it's it, it, it's something to practice, assuming positive intent. And then following with S, uh, strength and skills, I think, yeah, everyone has strength and skills. Sometimes people aren't very competent or they don't have maybe the same degree of strength or skill that other people have, but we can't judge people for that. We, we have to be able to accept and respect their current strength and skill and to identify that and to uh, bring that to the forefront. And it ties in so nicely with the, the intention piece. And when, when you can do that, well treating people with respect then becomes a little easier. 
And then finally, K, this is, I think, the hardest one, which is keeping people empowered. It's like, how do you keep people empowered? And in thinking about it, someone that came to mind is uh, Daniel H. Pink. He, he wrote a book called Drive. Have you read that book? No, but you've told me about it. A few other people have on my list. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a simple read, but it's a great read. And one of the things that he talks about is that in order to keep people driven or empowered uh, is, first of all, you need to instill some sort of autonomy. Like people need to have freedom. The second thing is that there needs to be uh, a, a practice or something that allows people to exercise mastery, meaning something that they can come back to, something that they can spend time learning, creating that deep body of work. And then finally, there needs to be purpose, intention, which is ikigai. We've talked about that. So keeping people empowered, I think step number one is how can you give them the freedom for example, for me as a parent, uh, I would love to set some very strict rules for my kid, but my kid's not going to follow them. So I need to set some loose rules so she can be autonomous, and I need to let natural consequences be the teacher rather than the rule itself. That's where the autonomy comes in. So when we're dealing with people, the first thing we, we want to try to do to keep them empowered is to give them freedom, autonomy, control. They are in control. The second thing we want to do is we want to identify what their strengths and skills are or the things that they're passionate about so they can actually practice. And the practice is the exercise that one does to get their needs met. And then finally, a purpose. The purpose is the thing that is bigger than ourselves. If we can help the people that we are working with or talking to, or interacting with, identify what their purpose is, and to communicate that clearly, all of a sudden, they feel empowered. And I think that's ultimately what K is. And um, Tom can, of course, uh, correct me if if I'm wrong, but that's my take on it. Um, Yeah, task, hard thing to do, but we we highly encourage it. And I think uh, Moose is saying, this is the end of this podcast. So let's just bring it to a land. Let's let's land the plane. Yeah, signing <laughs> out Moose style. Yeah, signing out Moose style. Thanks for listening. This is the Freestyle Way Podcast. I'm Carl Powell, listening here with Rylan, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Peace. Peace.